afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Cooper and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This is episode 36 where we talk to Andrew O'Neill. But before I kind of get into that, obviously we have to talk about Metal to the Masses, the first heat of which for Merseyside will be Friday the 12th of April at 7pm. Guest headliners are all consumed. That's kind of school, old school death thrash thing going on there. Superb. They're the guest headliners, but there'll be four bands kind of vying for that uh, spot to move forward and then eventually play at Bloodstock. Uh, Anatomia, uh, Anatomia, Anatomia, Ana. Atanamir, Atanamir, there you go, Atanamir, Soulless Nil and Soul Desire and uh, someone to be con- uh, confirmed. So there's three bands kind of confirmed there, one coming up as well. And I took a look at some of these bands, uh, Atanamir, let's see, let's keep saying that, that's going to be coming on good thing. Um, we'll talk to them about that at some point, I imagine. I went to listen to some of the material these bands have, uh, are putting out, and they're very young. Most of them have been going only since like 2017, 2016. They're just starting their EPs. They're just kind of finding their voice. They're just kind of finding what they are as a, as a metal act, which is a hugely interesting time to watch a band. It's hugely interesting kind of see what, what they come up with and what their take is and, then, and see their journey as well. So that's Friday the 12th of April at 7 p.m. at EBGB's. Liverpool at 7pm. That's the first heat of Metal to the Masses. I will be the compare and guest host for the uh, for the evening, if you will, to hopefully kind of make things move along nice and nice and smoothly, maybe give you a laugh, uh, talk a little bit about metal. If you see me at the show, as always, come and approach me and say, hey, and tell me what I'm doing wrong, um, tell me what I'm doing right, if I'm doing anything right. So that's the Metal to the Masses, Heat 1, Friday the 12th of April at 7pm at EBGB's. Guest headliners all consumed. Anna Tamir, Solus Nil, Soul Desire, and a band to be confirmed as well. And we kick off our Road to Bloodstock, which is just a, a really cool thing to be involved of. And I thank the organisers of Metal to the Masses uh, for, for asking me to do that. That's, that's, it's a fantastic honour. Right then, so let's get right into this. This was an interview with Andrew O'Neill. It was more of a chat, and I'll get into why it was in a second, but it was more of a chat. Andrew O'Neill, 15 years plus uh, veteran of the stand-up, um, in a band to men that were, will be blamed for nothing, his steampunk band, uh, wrote numerous things, including 2017's A History of Heavy Metal, numerous comedy awards, world traveller, kind of hugely sort of interesting individual but most of all he's, he's a metalhead he's a huge fan of metal opens and does sets at download and compares and, that. and and i found out he was playing or comparing events quite close to where to where i was based so i contacted him and said listen we really need to, to, to have a chat i find it just if you say really interesting and funny and he was nothing but welcome and he was like yeah that, that's absolutely cool let's see what we can do so we, i managed to get to the to the show he was comparing which means you you, you introduce you you move through all the bands you keep it's a really sort of big job and it takes up a lot of time so I really quickly want to get to sit down with him and I say it's a chat because it's about half an hour long a little over half an hour long which isn't really what I wanted to do because obviously the guy's done a, 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 a massive amount of stuff and to cover it in half an hour just doesn't ju- do it any justice at all um, the reason it was cut so so too short is because he had to get on stage. I literally grabbed him for a little period of time. We went through some stuff. It's, it was really really interesting. Then we kind of we had to get away and do that. But and he's promised to come back on the show and do some stuff via Discord and Skype. So you know our conversation got deep and interesting really really quickly. And I just thought it was interesting, so I want to put this out there and see what you think. I suggest you check out everything that Andrew Neil's doing. This is a guy who's just going everywhere doing comedy and 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 his whole kind of brand of humour 
and he's, he's riding a bike to, to these venues and riding a bike over the length and breadth and of this country and taking d- to trains on his own and just getting it done and spreading the word of metal and what he believes and 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 all of his kind of belief system and it's just hugely influential sort of interesting person so this is about a half an hour chat where we cover quite a few things mainly how he got interested in metal and where he started and kind of that day i think i feel obviously there's an enormous amount of stuff that we can keep going through but let's not get it let's not let's not mess around let's just get straight into it apologies slightly for the the, the quality and the length because some of these things are done in a very guerrilla sense, in a very kind of like, you know, a grassroots punk rock almost, like kind of just let's get it recorded, let's get it, because otherwise what's the difference having an okay-ish recording and only talking for half an hour or no recording at all? Well, it, the, the answer's obvious. Yeah, so the, we, we we sit down for a little bit, hope you'll enjoy it. As always, you know, leave some comments and uh, and share if you, if you do enjoy the stuff. And as I say again, check out Andrew O'Neill and the men that will be playing for Nothing His Band. Really interesting stuff, really funny, um, and just an interesting take on metal and punk and, uh, as well. So let's get on with it. This is uh, this is me talking to Andrew O'Neill. Um, I'll try and do some, let's do some kind of an intro. I always okay. try and form some kind of an intro, and it's very difficult to introduce the the, 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 the person I'm speaking to today um, because he frankly does everything. ADHD, I think he said, yeah. was the... Was the Driving force behind it. Well, it's it's, it's definitely a component part of, of the, <laughs> the fact that I just haven't got a, well, the one thing. But, I mean, yeah. so I'll I'll, I'll Let's say stand up. Right? Okay, comedy is the the root, the central spine. It's my direct expression of self. Okay, um, and then music is what most people would call a hobby, but it's Sure. So, so I'm I'm with I'm with Andrew O'Neill. Um, yeah, anybody that does a quick Wikipedia for him and that type of thing will know. Obviously, that yes, he's a comedian, an award-winning comedian, world traveller, uh, yeah. comedian. I would say, guitarist in in, in a band. Um, you know, an author as well. Uh, very much involved with the the Kickstarter thing that he's got going at the moment for uh, the history of metal. Mm-hmm. That's a big, pretty big remit to kind of put yourself. But but the reason we're sitting down, the reason we're talking, is because above everything else, Andrew's a metalhead, fully paid up. You know, he's in, he's in, in. he's he's bought in, and he's part he's part of that club. And so what I always tend to talk about is the first time, not necessarily metal, but the first time you hear music. When's that sort of enter into your life? It would have been when my brother come came back from a. Was it the Cadets thing with Queen's Greatest Hits? Okay, so it was kind of rock and metal first. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, well, my parents always had Radio Two on. My parents and my nan okay. always had Radio Two on. Okay, and I think this is why I write catchy songs. <laughs> okay. Like absolutely constantly, yeah. I had 50s, 60s, 70s, and then, you know, and then contemporary music. Yeah, sure. Um, but that golden yeah period, and, and so you've got like. Yeah, greatest incredibly, hits. incredibly good songwriting. So that uh-huh. that is, if you imagine that's just like the, that's the background. That's constantly going in. And then, yeah, I remember um, singing along to Bohemian Rhapsody with my brother. See, they're big bars already. To kind of that's Queen's <laughs> greatest. It's not just no, one album. The greatest. Mind, my brother's a it's... fucking bully. So 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 I I was only allowed to sing <laughs> very small parts. <laughs> oh, you only did sections. Very small. Oh, okay. No, it wasn't a he was singing it, and then I got to do a bit. Right. So. Like Queen were like my first favourite band, yeah. And then the I had the um, the eighty six Wembley show on okay. uh, on tape, yeah. Um, and I watched that 
just over and over and over and over Because many, many believe that they're then to be the greatest shows, uh, live shows mm. ever. You know, not necessarily rock, but music itself, like you know, they're they're phenomenal. They're that's phenomenal the, that, that's good. good stuff coming into to, to, to you, yeah. then, isn't it? You know, but it's also an extremely high bar. Yeah, you exactly. know, because you're singing wise. If you're going to try to sing that, if you're going to try and write songs like that, they're they're high bars. So then, you that was an album you kind of got by proxy. If you know what I mean? Listen to someone else. Do, do you remember going out and, and buying? You you went okay. I'm my first buy one. Something. It says a lot about who who I am as a person. That my first record I ever bought with my own money mm. was the comic relief uh, record <coughs> Living Dole with Clifford with the, and the, and young the, the young ones yeah yeah and uh, I had the seven inch version of that <laughs> that was my first record also Matt Crosby who's uh, in Pappies that was his first record as well um, and I think our oh, kind of it's funny a lot of people's first sort of uh, uh, sort of nod into that into metal was was the young ones you know when, when Motorhead were on the young ones totally. that, was, that was for me that was I was like this is well, that's an amplifier <laughs> this, that's Lemmy is that what's, yeah, what's yeah, that yeah. you know so yeah the young ones are quite and then bad news as well and that type of thing oh, kind oh, of absolutely. inducted me into that um, like, well yeah. I have a bad news patch on the shorts I'll show you later on <laughs> my, my adventure <laughs> shorts have a bad news patch um, so then well then again it was through my brothers and it was um Hendrix was from David, who also got me to see the Queen, and yeah. uh, got Public Enemy from Stephen. Okay. Um, and probably the first time, I, I think the first time I decided I wanted to be a metalhead was watching the Public Enemy. Anthrax, Isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the crossover. Video. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. just going, and even now, I'm not an Anthrax fan. Yeah. I've seen them a lot. Yeah. Um, but. I get what's great about them. Well, it's, it's 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 energy. You know, there's there's two things that you can't you can never uh, deny. It's genius and energy. If someone something's genius, it yeah. transcends genres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it's something's done with someone who genuinely believes in what they do, that crosses over as well. And they yeah, sure. both of those believed what they were doing and believed that they were breaking down totally. a barrier. You know, I think um, there's a, there's that there's that slight binary in thrash, isn't there? There's the fun stuff and there's the dark stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I've all, I was always drawn to the dark stuff. Okay. And then through the revival, like Municipal Waste. Ah, yeah. Because when I first saw Municipal Waste in a magazine, I thought it looked like cosplay. These guys with their patches with the bandanas. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but do these guys wear this stuff all the time? But I didn't think, you know. And, and they and, live in this. Yeah. And yeah. then, and I was a bit dismissive. And then I saw them supporting Sick of It All. And I went... Oh, this is fucking amazing! Connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I went to see them headline, and Toxic Holocaust was supporting. And then I went, "Oh, I see." <laughs> when it's laid there. out, yeah, yeah. But that when it, it's when it because I think I kind of keep I suppose, slight oil and water in kind of metal and comedy is that I don't I don't like bands like I fucking hate Steel Panther. Okay, like. I'm in, I'm in agreement there, like, yeah. yeah. I just won't have it. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind this, that how pretentious. I don't mind the concept, but I don't. I, I don't like the longevity. For me, it, that that was a. It was a short. Yeah, it was. It, 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 best, it's an album, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and and that's it. And then should have been left. And it's like, hold on, they're doing arenas now. I, yeah. I no, that shouldn't have got that but far. To, but to illustrate my the dominance in my head of the narcissism of small differences, what I do find totally acceptable to the degree of absolutely loving them is the darkness. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. difference is the darkness have a have a glint in their eye because they know what they're doing silly, but it is also exactly what they most love. Yeah, Whereas Steel Panther are doing a parody of a genre that was already a parody yeah. of rock and roll. It's it's the li- it's the line it's the line straddled by you know uh, by Tap, isn't it? It's, it's that yeah. kind of you know ju- just enough that the guy is completely earnest about what he's doing, but also completely parody himself. Like it's a yeah, yeah. totally the comedy about it's a comedy, and this is like there's no. 
I don't stand behind this with any kind of like moral position. Sure. This is simply <laughs> this is me retconning my own opinion. Yeah, yeah. But comedy about metal, I don't mind as long as it comes from love. So Wayne's World, I love. Yes. Airheads is clearly made by people who don't like metal. Yeah, you, yeah. The, you, the, the right novel. Yeah, and I think that's what I think what you're saying is, it, it revolves back to your, to your own work and what you do. The, the book, which I strongly suggest everybody reads, um, is uh, the history of metal. That's a that's a fucking big cr- cross to die on. Uh, <laughs> where you go, I'm going to write you know, the history of metal. No, 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 you no, can't no, do no, it if you no, love no, it. No, no, no. If you see, if I, I was very careful. It's yeah. called a history. Yeah, so, of metal. and your history in um, this case, yeah. And in the but still, if you're going to go, if you're going to go, I'm going to cover at least, even if it's only from my opinion, a, a massive subject. You yeah, can't yeah, do yeah. it unless you love it. You can't. You, you, you well, can't. This is, this is true because I because I considered as you know trying to figure out what I can do to follow it up. And <coughs> what so what what else is there that I love that much and have loved that much? Uh-huh. There's nothing. Okay. Possibly a history of comedy, but that's already a bit on the nose. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. Let's so let's 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 move slightly back before we get to that because it might help us get to that. Is so you you first did listen to these albums. When was the first time uh, an instrumentation came in? Then when, was, when did you pick up a guitar or was it a guitar? And you were like, okay, I yeah, want was, I yeah. want to make my own music. Well, watching Brian May. Uh-huh. Well, basically, I wanted to be Freddie Mercury. Right? Okay. And and I have achieved that. Um, <laughs> so that's the goal so number one. I, mean, I am really, I am now Freddie Mercury. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I wanted to be Freddie Mercury. Okay. And but also I really loved Hendrix, and then mm. and then I got into metal, and you know, I got to Metallica, and then yeah. Slayer, Sepultura, Deicide, Cannibal Corpse, and then and I've always had a thing in my life where if I see someone doing something that I admire, I want to do it. That's, means, that's a very natural thing for people to but, see. You know. what, what that means now is I, I, I'll listen to music with a violin and I'll, I'll listen to yeah. Dirty Three and go, oh, I should play the violin. Sure. And I'll go, no, fucking sit and practice your guitar more. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But, did, but so you, you went out and bought a guitar, did someone buy it there for you? A, which there, was just a, there was a really shitty acoustic knocker. It's always now, a shitty acoustic, which, isn't which, it? Which is still, <laughs> I, I bought my dad a guitar this year because okay. he's still plucking occasionally. <laughs> You're like, just, you just cannot tune it. <laughs> um, and so... Um, so I, you know, I learnt like wild thing on one string, and then yeah. and then I went and I bought a guitar. Um, I bought a Yamaha Pacifica one one two. I know those ones. From, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Rock Bottom in Croydon. And um, here's an interesting thing: <laughs> those guys were fucking dicks, right? What you the know? guys that sold it yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. Like guys in guitar shops, nearly always dicks. Yeah. And and here's an interesting thing: because like, there's a salesman aspect to it. Just and what's worse is that you've got gate, to sell your soul a little bit. Gatekeeping. Because it's like, hey, I'm like you, we like music, oh, yeah, we like yeah, it. But I do like... need to shift this fucking <laughs> awful guitar. It's, I, f- I find it gatekeeping. And, uh-huh. and, and the thing they did to me was I was reading about guitars, and, mm-hmm. and they said, like, the output of a, if the output of a, um, a pickup is, is, you know, high, it's known as being hot. Yes. And I was like, you know, so what are the pickups like? They're pretty hot. Well, room temperature. Oh, don't be a dick. Oh, it's I've like the old right the, the guy go, uh, the, the tweeters. It's like yeah, it's that thing when he goes in, he goes, do you want a bag on your head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So, um, but here's an interesting thing. I, a few years ago, I asked on Facebook, um, nearly all the women I know are obsessed with music. Nearly none of the women I know make music. Okay, that's interesting. Nearly all the guys I know are obsessed with music and nearly all the guys I know either do or have made music right. and I was like why, why, why do is you this? think this is I'm specifically talking to my female friends 
and there are a few anecdotes back and one of them my friend Claire said she really wanted to learn bass she was a massive indie kid in the nineties. and she went into a guitar shop and she said they were so rude to her it put her off the she whole she left Isn't that and never picked up one up now yeah. here's the thing I took them being rude to me as like guys in guitar shops as cunts and she t- but you know Hendrix is a bloke <laughs> Brian May's a bloke yeah, yeah. Kirk Hammett's a bloke but she went in there and just felt like the gates that's came it. crashing that's down and this isn't for me she's been completely ostracised from a whole thing that could have been her entire a way of life a way of life it's been completely that's removed expression that's absolutely frightening to think that well, that, that probably goes on still. It must happen. You know, there must happen to. I mean, must, it happens to loads of guys as well. But sure. what I noticed was 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 the, the point at which I started do, playing music as part of my job mm. was when people in guitar shops started taking me seriously, and this right. absolute switch happened because you got when you're on tour and you've got a guitar on your back and a harried look on your face. You go, I need to think for the thing that does the thing, and they're like, oh, the guy. And they're like, yeah. they, they suddenly move heaven and earth because the guy needs a thing to do the is it, it thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're going, I think I'd like, couldn't yeah, yeah. I try the red one? Yeah, and yeah. Like, oh, can want that one, that's a rubbish yeah. guitar. And it was, it was so funny because like, as soon as it looks like, not even necessarily that you know what you're doing, but that you do it yeah. for a living. For, for or, living. You know, yeah. or you're a part of a tour. Oh, you guys on tour then? Yeah, yeah, you know. You have so to kind of get past, like you say, gatekeepers probably the perfect way yeah. of explaining. If you can get past that gate, these guys will move heaven and earth. If you can't, that's interesting that because we always talk about, I always talk about on the podcast about where the next sort of musicians and artists are coming from. And if we're nobbling uh, women, for example, or people who were, you know, the first forays into this, if, where, where are we expecting the, the okay. seeds to be planted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just not happen. Well, I th- it's, that's an interesting question, particularly with the metal. And I think. I think that metal has explored the 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 sort of uh, outline, the parameters, that's the right word, of, of, of its territory. Yeah. So we've, we've mapped the coastline of metal now. Sure. Right. Yeah. And anything beyond that coastline is no longer metal, which is fine. Okay. But it and it doesn't mean it's less good, but it just means it's not really metal anymore. Yeah. So if someone if that gets too much influence from dance or jazz or whatever else, you know, then it. It's no longer metal, and, and it, it's not part of our thing. So what sure. seems to be happening is the next new thing in metal will be another revision of a... Okay. You know, like Ghost will probably be the, big, yeah. the best, biggest example of like a band that got massive yeah. with this alchemy of sort of... 70s kind of thing with these... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of... I suppose the only problem and the danger with that is if you're constantly revising something, you're constantly retrograding something, if you will... That uh, nothing new's been injected, and it almost becomes yeah. incestuous yeah. to the point where it, uh, uh, to a fault. You yeah, know? I'll tell you. Uh, so you start playing, you start making your own noise, and kind of do that. When at this point, how far away are we from comedy right. coming in? Are we oh, still yeah. a band getting into a band and yeah, started, going to gigs? So my first, my first. That's also like, yeah, '95 is my first. First time I went to a metal show, mm-hmm. Fear Factory, the Astoria. Sure. Don't look for it, it's not there anymore. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, and then a couple of years ago I went to the 20th anniversary tour of that. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, isn't that strange? Uh, yeah. And this year, it's, you know, 25th, well, next year, 25th. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, but I was into hardcore as well. And yeah. So, so we'd. Like, demanufacturing stuff was kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, 
to me and uh, some mates from school. I was very lucky that I had a lot of mates at school that were into metal. Mm. I, you know, we, I, I wasn't that kind of lonely kid who, you know. Right. I, there was the off, the off-told story of the ostracised yeah, kid and the, about, the kind of person on the, on the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, across across different years, and we we yeah. were the only ones that broke that barrier. But you gravitated to yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, me, me, John, who's my oldest mate, um, guy called Alex. Um, rest in peace died a couple of years ago overdosed absolute wanker um, and a guy called Steve started a band and we you know we started off playing a few you know like playing Refuse Resist and uh, sure yeah, playing yeah. out sick of all song here a carcass song there yeah. and trying to and we what, was that, what was that band called? started off we love the first names of bands and Lifeless was the first Lifeless that's first name that's alright Alex vetoed it because it gave critics the ability to use oh, it oh I see oh, yeah. oh then, god do we have to reverse engineer the, a band's name because you think what the critics are going to yeah. say <laughs> and then Stan, we were called Standpoint we're in, we're in the thanks <laughs> list on a few records of Standpoint we never did a gig but we're like you know all the guys from Andrew and all the guys from all Standpoint, the guys from yeah. Standpoint yeah. cheers knuckled us and, um, and then um, and that just didn't go anywhere and then, often. then that band, this is so painful, this is like therapy now. So <laughs> yeah. You can recline and we can talk that through. That band split up and then immediately reformed without me. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. That That's something you have they to take, yeah. They literally did that and they found another singer. Um, and then they then they started doing a thing. And then, then they realised that... that that guy was a dick and that guy was a dick and then John Lynch came crawling back Shit. and went do you do you want to do a band with us we'll find a new drummer and we'll make music like Kiss It Goodbye so Kiss It Goodbye at the time was my favourite hardcore band yeah. and, um, and I'm like I am absolutely in so that was my first problem that's what we called Sun Starved Day Sun Starved Day Sun Starved Day that's okay and then from Green Poets oh yeah so just for the benefit of the listeners he's now shown you the Costas Coxix I've got a massive I've got a massive uh, massive (laughs) tattoo of my band that never went anywhere on my back but that's good yeah we did a few gigs we supported Botch which was pretty sweet yeah Um, and everyone apart from me in that band had significant mental health problems so it was a rotate people kept leaving and coming back Particularly our frontman Stuart kept leaving, coming back. So we teach a new person the song, and then Stuart come back, and then we were so we just wow. we didn't record anything. And then, and then the other guys in that band formed this other band that was like, um, uh, oh god, I forgot my name. The band that massive influence, like a kind of all bass sort of sludge doom kind okay. of thing um, called Pale Horse. And their, after their first gig, they got signed. <laughs> I've heard that story before, yeah. And and I just went, well, that's that, that's our band, fuck there. <laughs> and it was, and, but but then around then was when I, um, almost around exactly around that point when I did my first stand-up show. Ah, so okay. I did my first stand-up gig. Well, the, but what was the? Okay, so I understand the, the the need to get into a band and make noise. We you've heard the albums. Where was the need to to pre- perform comedy then? Well, because parallel to all this obsession with heavy metal was a stronger obsession with comedy. Right. So from watching Blackadder, what we were talking about earlier, from watching Blackadder in 1989 and, and just falling in love with it, becoming obsessed with it, and then, and I just loved like all comedy. I had completely Catholic taste, whether sure. it was Monty Python or like 
you know, Bobby Davro or Freddie Starr. But, but or certainly when you, when you were listening, you were probably at the boom of uh, listening, just seeing that comedy, probably at the boom of all what we called alternative yeah, comedy exactly. and that kind of the, yeah. the real sort of fringe stuff as well that was exploding yeah, up. That yeah, would yeah, have been yeah, yeah. massively influencing. And, and I just loved all of it. The weirder the better. Sure. Um, and, and, and then... And I wanted to be a sketch comic. That was the thing I wanted. Like, okay, I wanted to be right. John Cleese, basically. Okay. Um, like Douglas Adams also wanted to be John Cleese, and yeah. he says, "But unfortunately, that role was taken." So <laughs> that's me himself. So, and then I saw Eddie Izzard, and like, he's a he's a transvestite, and I'm a transvestite, and that unlocked part of my identity. It's lots of lights oh, are going off at this point. That's yeah. what I am. That's amazing. Mm. And then also, he does sketch comedy as stand-up. Sure. I could, oh, I wanted that. So then I spent years going. I want to be. I want to do stand up. And spent years desperately trying to be the funniest person in the room. Is it important? Do you think? I think probably the answer is yes. I'm probably asking a rhetorical question here, but it is important that those people that are seen and performers do challenge what's acceptable and do challenge what what the norms are because it, you, someone like yourself will uh, uh, allow them to see that and goes, okay, that's well, possible. That, and you right, must you must be shown that. Here's the thing, right? Nearly all stand-up, right? Nearly all of any <laughs> any particular strain of culture is yeah. shit, right? right? That's just true. Okay. Nearly all stand-up is shit. Um, often enjoyable, but and and nearly all stand-up um, reflects an unaltered. It reflects the audience's worldview without challenges, right? What I, I what I think stand-up should be is an outsider perspective. I think stand-up should be outsider. Okay. And I think it's up to us to, while the audience is at work, working proper jobs, <laughs> it's up to us to think about the world in such a way that when they come and see us, we present the world in a way that they haven't thought about. Well, they haven't had necessarily the time to think about. Sure. Doing jobs, childcare, whatever. Whereas I'm sitting on my ass reading books and trying to, you know, as much as I can and trying to take in as much information and trying to, you know, I obviously waste a shit of time. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's my high, that's my, but my that's, high ideal. Yeah, right? it's a ticket to get to all. Yeah. So, so it is, I think it is, it is up to, a, to, to the stand-up to, to challenge the audience's yeah. worldview. I, I read a, a, an interesting story about an, a Native American tribe and, and one of the people in, within that tribe, and, uh, their sole job is to mock and make fun of everything. Yeah, yeah. So if there's a puddle... Stuart Lee, Stuart Lee did a documentary on this. It's, 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 if, if, there's, if there's a puddle, it's a large lake. Everything's reduced to its like comedic elements. Right, Nothing right, is right, 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 right. And And he's like the most important guy. Yeah. He's like, listen, yeah. listen, you know, we can't... If you got to... You get all your, your tribe guys together. We've got a doctor. We've got a whatever. Yeah, yeah. we've got that comedy guy. Yeah. Shit, it's not a proper tribe. He was that important because he fundamentally made you question and in some cases not take seriously life-like. And, he, and his Role was incredibly uh, important to the, to, to the tribe itself, like you know. And I think, I think that you're exactly right. Comedy should be there to to explore free form, if you will, the, the edges of society and the edges of options, political and take and every, the darkest experience. Yes. So I was talking. I just did another podcast with my friend Amanda, who's a musician, and she's she's just done the, the darkest album of her career, and she does a song about abortion. And I've got a bit about me and my sure. wife had an abortion, and. Um, uh, and we were talking about, you know, what, what's the point of art? And, and, and there's, there's a horrible notion when, not within comedy, but about comedy, that there are subjects you shouldn't, shouldn't be uh, funny sub- about. Subjects right? that are taboo, yeah. 
And, and I think that's total bullshit. And I think that, that what we should be doing is taking the very darkest things, holding them up to the light, and basically going, it's all right. We'll be all right. Yeah. You know, we'll get through it. That's what comedy's for. Well, you know, specifically for that. You go, you go back to, to Bruce and Carl, and when Carl's like, these words we can't even oh, say, absolutely. these words yeah, we yeah, can't yeah, even say, you know, and we've moved slightly forward to a point where we can say some of these words now, yeah. and, and some of them do it again now, they're not, they're not even taboo. But you, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, I think there's, a, there's two tracks running alongside here with the metal and comedy because metal allows you to deal with incredibly absolutely. tough and difficult topics in a very kind of, well, here it is. You know, and, and, and the first and, uh, word on the greatest album of all time is the word Auschwitz. <laughs> yes. So you're yeah, in yeah. a song about what? <laughs> you know, well, you know, and, and, and that thing that Slayer do of. of, of Doing songs from the point of view of the perpetrator. Yeah. Whether it's on Angel of Death or whether it's on Jihad. Yeah. That's so fucking cool. You, you, you're putting stuff like completely out there. And like you say, I'm reversing roles as well and saying, well, look at this. Yeah. And, uh, these things were, I mean, you think like Slayer's like, uh, you know, first album, I think most of it was in pretty much standard tuning. It's not, yeah. it wasn't this detuned craziness. No, no. It was just Slayer being heavy. In, in a musical sense because the subjects matter that they were covering was heavy and these things were put out there Judas Priest <laughs> yeah, like, yeah 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 that's about you baby that's about you it's, yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's yeah, not totally. a particularly heavy song but it's yeah so I think there's, there is two tracks running here with comedy and, and metal and it seems to me they, they are bedfellows uh, and my and approach to comedy is wholly influenced by my subcultural background sure like I, I never expected to make a living of comedy um turns out overhead's much, much lower <laughs> sure. when you're on your own you don't need a van yeah but also and this it's amazing how this isn't the standard approach I make the sort of comedy I would want to be in the audience watching yeah but that, you, you could substitute comedy for music with that yeah, statement as well like, you that's know? That's and that's how isn't that how all art should be approached yeah. you know I want to paint a picture that's something that I would like to see yeah. I would like to move, make a movie so I, you know that should be it if you if you're in any way doing it for another reason, it's probably going to dilute the actual end results. You know? Nearly all, nearly all of the best. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the uh, occult comedian, uh, the things you did. Oh, yeah, with yeah. I thought that was it was interesting. It was a, I thought that was a really nice balance between the two things that we talked about. So when did uh, the uh, occultism and that type of thing? When did that become sort of into your? That was Alan Moore did that to me. Okay. Um, I also I like there's. It's interesting how outdated a cult comedian is because the views in that show have moved on. Yeah, really, like loads. Of you time. could see you're building something. Well, that was that's like, yeah. that was me. That was you know that, that was about my very first dabblings in, in ritual magic. But yeah, I, I had a materialist, like atheist Dawkins mm. reading worldview, which which had been a move on from my from my. Um, uh, Christian upbringing, my very loose Christian upbringing. And then I got to Alan Moore and I read an interview with him where he said, talking about magic, the only place these things need to exist is in your own mind. You just have no idea how big, how vast that territory is. Mm. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deny that, that's really annoying. <laughs> that's too close, yeah. He's, he's the greatest writer currently living, so that's... And then the more I read about it from him, the more I was like, this is something I want to try. And then I tried it. So, so are we are we into the point now where you're reading uh, Crowley and stuff like that? And, uh, I didn't and, read and Crowley early on because the writing is 
in the distance. Dance, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I read, I read, uh, well, I say read, read experienced uh, the book of the law where you go through it, try and oh, yeah, pull yeah, things yeah, from yeah, it. Yeah. And this is at the time when I was a huge horror fan that I am. And when I get to the end, there's a reading list at the end of it, yeah. and there's all these crazy books of Sanskrit and stuff that you you never get to see. But in it is the Necronomicon, right. and I'm two days away from watching The Evil Dead, and I'm like, what? So this is the publishers. Yeah, this isn't Crowley's list. This isn't his list, like, but it's at the back of the reading list. Is the Necronomicon, and I'm like, this is just. I am in a room here. I do not want. I'm so (laughs) up my depth, and it kind of put me off for years before I went back and then read. So because he he used to write like um, when he was kind of short for money, he wrote like short stories and stuff like that, and they're fabulous. They're they're fabulous. But for me, it was just incredibly dense. So how did you make your way into that then? Well, I. I started reading, but the thing is, my magical practice is, is about practice. Most, mm. people's, most people are into magic, <laughs> like, most dudes are into magic, <laughs> they're like, well have you read this, have you read that, have you read this? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, but what have you done? Yeah. And most of them don't do stuff, so I did a load of exercises and I kept doing exercise, I kept doing practical stuff, and it kept fucking working to a degree that was totally piss taking. And, and that's kind of been it since then, and I've read read quite a lot now but it's like how many books about like how many practical books about sex have you read yeah you don't <laughs> that's not how you get good at sex yeah read another one just get just <laughs> yeah. doing my homework there yeah, I, yeah. okay I that's how we go yeah, yeah you know so so like yeah it, my my practice has all grown kind of organically it's not particularly academic um, I'm drawn to certain things it's very intuitive and then I do reading to kind of back it up, and, and, and but, but it's, it's it's very intuitive. It's very sort of. Um, you think you have a knowledge base that you could? Because we were talking about you know what's the next thing after the things you're doing now. Do you think you have a knowledge base that you could write that? Not necessarily complete, but more of yeah, do, more for an introduction. I do want to do a book about magic. I've got a plan to write a, a book about magic. If, if you're saying that, that you know that, that some people, a lot of people, sort of think is that the, the, there's too much distance between learning and practicality. I have, I have no interest whatsoever in teaching people how to do magic. Right, like, absolutely no interest whatsoever. Um, it's pretty personal to me. And what I am interested in is investigating the fact that there are more people practicing ritual magic now than ever before, right? And people properly into it. And I'm sort of thinking, well, where's the Crowley in this? Where's the... Okay. Who's the Robert Anton Wilson of now? Sure. Like, where are they? Where Those... is the Blavatsky of Where are these people? Like, what's happening that's new? What's, like, and because every, every book about magic pretty much is, in the past, people did this. Yeah, with 20, 30, 40 years ago, yeah. Science doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah, you science are releasing you know, a paper yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I, what I am interested in is sniffing the, 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 the occult zeitgeist. But what I want to do, one yeah. of the things I want to do in it is break down my own kind of, like, to use Robert Anton Wilson term, reality tunnel. Okay. And interview people that I completely disagree with and get because what I could do is just just like confirmation bias my way through it yeah and just only talk to people I with with them, yeah. I'm like well I think I've got to measure it I think this this guy's got to yeah, yeah. what I want to do is you know all of the kind of the more new age stuff the more like sparkly spell book teenage sure, stuff sure. the more like dude bro satanist stuff interview these people find out what they're doing experiment with them go like give me something to give me an exercise to do and, and yeah. that sort of thing so that's 
but but I don't have I don't consider I'm, I'm a total beginner when it comes to magic sure. absolute picking out twinkle twinkle little star with one finger yeah like, and I'm a dabbler and it, but but it's part of my life now. and I love like I use magic to write my shows and there's one, the one, the Black Magic Fun Hour demanded that I wrote about magic. About yeah, it kind of necessitated itself there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the last, two, the last two shows I've written, the magic isn't. So this, like last year in Edinburgh, but when I was, I'm disappointed. There's not much magic in the show this year. Like, <laughs> you have not been paying attention. That's all. Because yeah. there was like, yeah, wait, because the whole show, that show was so much more of a working. Yeah, um, and everything in that show came out. Of is that is that what what's happening when when, when you do a stand up? Is it as much as you're working out a, a social commentary? You're also working out your own sort of position on magic and your own sort of views. Not my position on magic. No, I'm. Is I, that the wrong way I to use, put it? I use magic to tell me what to write about. Okay, and a lot there is definitely that kind of true will finding thing. Absolutely. Right. But I'm working. I'm. I'm, I'm I'm working cabalistically, so... Okay, so that was Andrew O'Neill, a brief chat, as I say, where we kind of, like, you know, there's some good stuff there. And obviously that leaves the door open for us to have many, many more chats there. So I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, the usual, you know, post, uh, repost, that type of thing, uh, listening and... Uh, on various media devices that you do. I've got a lot of very nice feedback about the last show, talking to the people at the Outpost, which was uh, really fun for me to do. This one was really nice as well. It's got some really good ones kind of coming up as well. As always, you know, comment, share, subscribe, all that other good stuff to uh, to kind of help get the word of the show out. If you think that this is something that someone would enjoy listening to, suggest it to them. It's as simple as that. That's how the kind of word gets spread around and people find the show and enjoy it a little bit more. Don't forget, obviously, the Metal to the Masters Heat 1, Friday the 12th of April at 7pm. Guest headliners all consumed. Atanamia, Solus Nil, Soul Desire and Abandon Confirmed as well, all playing buying for the chance to go forward to go on to Bloodstock so please check that out I'll be in the for the evening and thanks for listening to the show I'll see you again now